0: God designed each of us to have relationships with people, and He has enormous purpose in how He wants us to interact and bond with others. In this episode, we will learn to develop relationships that please the Lord and ways to honor Him in our interactions with those around us. When you have a heart for discipleship, as God intends, you will also have a heart for people. One of the greatest ways that you can influence people is to help them understand that God created us to first and foremost live in relationship with Him, and to also live in relationship with others. Jesus seeks to have a relationship with each person by pursuing them with His love. John 3.16 tells us that God loves us, but His love goes much deeper than mere words. God's actions prove His love for us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let the meaning of this verse soak in for just a moment. Jesus gave up his life freely for sinful, undeserving people like you and I. And Jesus knew full well that some people would reject his gift of love. What is also amazing to me is that God's love for us never depended on our love for Him. Do you view your relationship with Jesus through the lens of God's love? Jesus wants us to receive His love and walk in a loving relationship with Him. In fact, our relationship with the Lord depends on our response to His love. You see, it isn't enough to merely say we love Jesus— If we genuinely love Him, it will show in our words and actions. 1 John 5, 3 tells us that the evidence that we love God is that we keep or follow His commands. In other words, Christ's love for us requires a response of obedience, not just in word, but also in action. Our words would be meaningless if we said that we love God, yet reject His instructions and oppose His will. When God asks us to keep His commands, He doesn't mean for it to be a duty or just an obligation. Obeying Jesus should be an outpouring expression of our love for Him. By backing up to read 1 John 5, 1-2, we can see that there is a significant role that loving God plays in our relationship with Him and our relationship with others. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In John fifteen twelve, Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Please don't miss this point. It is through obedience to God and love for others that people see Christ at work in our lives and are drawn to Him. This gives our relationships eternal significance. Are you motivated to love others in a way that compels them to want to know Jesus? Imagine engaging others in such a way that we care more about attracting people to Jesus than we do having them satisfy our expectations or desires. You may be wondering, how do we demonstrate God's love and influence others for Him while navigating the complexity within so many different types of relationships? Let's begin to answer that question by looking at John seventeen fifteen through 18 In this verse, Jesus is speaking to God the Father concerning us, His disciples. He said, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We can see in these verses that it was never God's desire for us to be isolated. God wants each of us to be an influence for his kingdom in this world, without being adversely affected by the world's standards. This truth is particularly important in forming relationships. When it comes to establishing and developing relationships, God wants us to be mindful of the potential influence we have on the lives of others and the influence others can have on us. Proverbs twelve twenty six says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As we each relate with other people, we can also be influenced by them. Consider this, as we relate with others, even in a start-up conversation, we can often make a connection with other people. And whether initially intentional or not, we also know that a greater bond can develop. The greater the bond that's developed within each relationship, the greater the influence. In 2 Corinthians six fourteen through 15 the Apostle Paul wrote this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? A yoke is not a common term used today, but the believers in Corinth knew what Paul was talking about. A yoke is a wooden frame used to join two animals together so they would be effective and productive. In Deuteronomy 22.10, God forbid his people to plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together, because these animals are not similar in species. The difference in their size and stride could injure one of the animals, which would not be profitable to the animals or their work. On the other hand, when two animals of the same species are yoked together, their union doesn't cause conflict, and they are able to work together to accomplish great work. God used this illustration to teach us about relationships. The yoke represents the bond of two people in a relationship. Two people, each pursuing righteousness, are united in mind and spirit and can be considered equally yoked. This union enhances the efforts of the other. In contrast, a union between a believer and an unbeliever is considered unequally yoked because there's no unity in their spiritual pursuits. Simply put, God wants us to avoid unequally yoked relationships and instead choose to develop relationships that encourage our growth in Christ. You know, our relationships have enormous potential to influence the way we think and act. For that reason, we should carefully consider our relationships. That means that we should take the time to evaluate whether or not a person will have a godly influence in our lives. And that evaluation should be based on their lifestyle, not just their words or potential behavior. So let's first look at ways we can use God's word to help us recognize and choose godly friendships. For example, Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We can identify a godly friend as one who demonstrates unconditional love as Jesus does, They will also be trustworthy and loyal in good times and bad. Hebrews 10.24 encourages us to consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A Christ-centered friend puts others first rather than demanding to have their own way. They will encourage you in the Lord and help develop your character and service to Christ. Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. A godly friend will not hesitate to communicate truth to their friends, even though it may be difficult to say and to receive. They will also try to lovingly hold friends accountable to live according for Christ. Proverbs 20, verse 6 tells us, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. You know, people can promise all kinds of things, but a genuine, Christ-centered friend will be consistent, someone you can always count on to demonstrate the unfailing, unconditional love of Christ Jesus. And as a side note, in the same way we want to learn to recognize and choose godly relationships, each one of us should also be developing qualities that make us a godly influence in the lives of others. As you can imagine, it can be challenging to evaluate our relationships objectively because human emotions and personal perspectives can get in the way. Yet apart from evaluating each relationship, how will we know whether or not they are pleasing to the Lord? That's why it's so important to use God's Word in evaluating relationships. God's Word gives us God's objective viewpoint, and it allows us to see other people from His perspective. By applying God's truth in our lives, we can learn to develop godly friendships and to consistently react to others in a loving, Christ-like manner. Now, godly relationships don't just happen overnight. They are established and nurtured over time. For this reason, it's important to be ever mindful, especially concerning relationships, that God is a God of order. I make this point because it's wise to establish and develop relationships in a spiritually beneficial order. This means that when you recognize a potentially godly relationship, that you will begin with getting acquainted before developing a friendship or an even deeper relationship, all the while being careful to guard your heart. To guard your heart is to keep watch over it, and in doing so, you will prevent emotions and feelings from getting in the way of what God wants to reveal to you concerning each person. Guarding your heart is counterintuitive to our culture. Our culture encourages us to follow our hearts, yet God's Word tells us to make it a priority to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. God tells us that our hearts are the wellspring of life, holding everything of value and importance to our very being. That is why our hearts are to be carefully guarded. So let's talk about some ways to develop the qualities of a well-guarded heart. First and foremost, a person with a guarded heart will examine potential relationships from God's perspective. For example, they take the time to ask Christ-centered questions like these. Is there evidence that the person is surrendered to following Christ? Are they consistently seeking God's will in their life? Does God's word have authority in the decisions they make? Number two, they use God's truth to filter any potential impurities. These people take the time to evaluate situations and people through the lens of God's word. Number three, a person who carefully watches their heart is not easily persuaded by the world or enticed to go anywhere the Lord does not lead. That means that they make it their goal to commit only to those things that please and honor the Lord. Number four, one who purposely protects their heart will consistently exchange worldly desires for those that please Christ. They may be tempted by worldly desires, but they refuse to entertain them or dwell on them. Number five, A person with a safeguarded heart will not base decisions on feelings, but instead on careful consideration of God's word and his perfect will. Don't miss this point. A person who has guarded their heart does not choose to enter into relationships based on emotions, and as a result, they also don't risk the chance of their heart being broken. I encourage you, to practice keeping your heart safely guarded while establishing and developing relationships. Guarding our hearts helps prevent us from being affected by ungodly influences. However, we still have an obligation, as Christ's followers, to influence as many people as possible for Jesus. That makes it essential that we learn to distinguish the difference between influencing and being influenced by others. 1 Corinthians 15, tells us, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Allowing ungodly influences to impact our lives is never God's best. You can recognize an ungodly influence as someone who tempts you to think, speak, or act contrary to God's word or His nature. Sometimes people can become misled by thinking they can have close, ungodly relationships and not be influenced by them. Some people will even acknowledge an ungodly influence in their life, but they will also say that they feel a sense of responsibility to remain in the relationship. Make no mistake, God is the only one who can truly change hearts and lives, so in relationships like these people should transfer responsibility to God rather than allow an ungodly relationship to taint their walk with Jesus or risk compromising their godly influence in the lives of others. So far, we've learned that God wants us to be intentional in choosing Christ-centered relationships and to avoid developing relationships that could have an ungodly influence in our lives. Even still, There are some relationships that occur that can present challenges. These relationships could be with believers or non-believers and may even be outside of our choosing. Regardless of the relationship, remember, influencing others for Jesus depends on our love and obedience to God, not on the actions or responses of others towards us. This is incredibly important to remember when dealing with challenging relationships, No doubt, God will use all kinds of relationships for our good and His glory. Have you ever considered that the most difficult relationship in your life could be the one that God uses to chisel you? Are you allowing the challenging relationships in your life to develop a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit? Are you trusting God to enable you in every way to represent Him well, regardless of the challenge? Let's consider some challenges we may face in relationships and how to apply God's Word to overcome them. Sometimes a relationship can be challenging due to conflict. The enemy will use conflict to create disunity and strife, but God wants to have unity and peace. One of the best ways to successfully deal with conflict is to first recognize the source of each struggle. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. According to this verse, our struggles, our source of conflict, is not with other human beings. Every struggle is a spiritual battle. That means that the source of all conflict is biblical truth versus self-will. Think about it. If two people are both pursuing God's will, there will be perfect unity. So when there is conflict, either one or both parties are asserting to have their own way. When we recognize that conflict is not with a person, we can then refrain from taking what someone says or does personally, or making the issue personal. Instead of focusing on the person engaged in the conflict, we can choose to focus on the truth and rely on the help of God's indwelling Holy Spirit. This will also prevent us from becoming distracted or increasingly offended. Now, if the conflict is with a believer, we should try to resolve the issue using biblical truth, in love of course. If the conflict is with an unsaved person, they may not recognize or understand truth. In each case, we should rely on the Holy Spirit and follow His lead in dealing with conflict. Sometimes a relationship can be difficult because people can just be unkind, even hurtful toward other people. Yet, we are to love as Christ loves, unconditionally. That means that our love for others should not depend on their actions. Loving others unconditionally doesn't make you naive. We each understand that people may choose to be intentionally hurtful and leave you with less respect for them or trust in them. But it doesn't have to affect your love for them. When you love without conditions, you know Christ is at work in your life. Imagine the influence we could have by loving others without pretense, stipulations, or conditions. No wonder Jesus said in John 13:35, By this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As we rely on the Holy Spirit's power, He will enable us to love even the worst of enemies. In Luke six twenty-seven through twenty-eight, Jesus said, "I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you." Living and loving as Jesus does is counterintuitive to the way the world would respond to people who oppose them. We are to choose intentionally to do good to those who hate us. This can only happen as we allow the Lord Jesus to love through us. This verse also tells us to pray for those who oppose or mistreat us. Choosing to love and pray for your enemies, it may not change their heart, but it can change yours. First John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know Him. Many people in Jesus' day did not know Him and couldn't relate to Him. As born-again children of God, we should not be surprised that those who oppose Christ will also have a difficult time loving and building meaningful relationships with those who do. Rather than become offended, remain focused on the truth of God's love because God's love is compelling and choose to love as He does. Some people have difficulty with relationships due to being rejected especially by those people who are supposed to love them the most psalm 27:10 says though my father and mother forsake me the lord will receive me this verse can apply to all types of rejection the point is that jesus will never reject us rejection is painful but rather than invest in the hurt created by others, we can turn each offense over to Jesus, allowing Him to deal with each disappointment and to comfort us in a way no human possibly can. Sometimes people struggle in relationships with those in charge over them. Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Paul is referring to civil authorities here, but this verse can also apply to other authorities. For example, rulers govern nations, teachers oversee students, employers manage employees. Governing authorities have been established by God, not people. And although it may appear that people appoint those in positions of authority, God has the ultimate control because He alone is sovereign. So you may be wondering, if there is ever a time when we should not obey governing authorities? Well, the Apostle Paul answers this question in Acts 5.29. He said, we must obey God rather than man. God is ruler of all, and therefore His word is to be the ultimate authority in our lives. That means that we should obey the governing authorities unless what they are asking of us conflicts with God's word, causing us to compromise truth. If you find yourself in this situation, ask the Lord to give you wisdom and rely on His guidance to know what to do. I encourage you to keep in mind that even in the most challenging relationships, God asks us to honor Him. For example, Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Of course, we cannot make other people live at peace with us. But we have a choice whether or not to live peaceably with others. And in doing so, we honor Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Sometimes, however, living peaceably with others may include the need to distance yourself from them. There's a story in the Bible beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 18 about two friends, Jonathan and David, who loved each other very much. David also knew Jonathan's father, King Saul and loved and served him. It initially appeared that King Saul liked David, but over time, he grew to despise David and actually made plans to harm him. As much as David wanted a loving relationship with King Saul, Saul would not live peaceably with David, and eventually, it became necessary for David's protection that he remove himself from Saul's life. As you probably know, relationships can be complicated, This is when your personal walk with the Lord, your abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit, becomes very significant. With each relationship, you can trust the Lord to show you when to be quiet, when to speak, and what to say, when to stay, and when to walk away. In addition to complicated, relationships can get messy. For whatever reason, some people are just unkind. They can use hurtful words or actions that can tempt you to respond in the flesh. Rather than allow the enemy to get the best of you, I encourage you to practice forgiving quickly and often. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It is easiest to forgive when we love others as Christ does. If we choose to withhold forgiveness, to carry a grudge, or to let personal hurt become deep-seated in our hearts, then we may also forfeit, to some degree, our spiritual influence, which is exactly what the enemy is hoping for. In each situation, within each relationship, rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal His will to you, then faithfully obey and leave the results with Him. As you disciple others, help them to recognize that God designed relationships between people to be both meaningful and purposeful. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You have the privilege of teaching others to identify godly relationships as those that have God's best interest in mind, and to consistently reevaluate relationships that do not. It can sometimes be beneficial to begin by training others to identify and appreciate the differences between an acquaintance and a true friend. An acquaintance may be someone you go to school with, or work with, or perhaps you occasionally socialize. An acquaintance is one who does not have a large influence in your life. A friend, however, is someone you have a bond with who does have an influence or directly impacts your life. Then teach them that genuine friendships have God's best interest in mind and to reevaluate friendships that do not. Sometimes I disciple adults who want to find a godly marriage partner. In these instances, I encourage them to not get ahead of God's will but to be prayerful and patient to wait on God to work on their behalf. I also encourage them to study what the Bible has to say concerning the characteristics of a godly man and husband and godly woman and wife. I let them know that developing godly characteristics in their life will attract those who are also seeking a godly spouse. I also explain that no marriage candidate will ever be perfect but the candidate should be pursuing a lifestyle of godliness. I then remind them that godly character is based on current evidence, not future potential. That means that if there is not current evidence that the person is developing godly character, it doesn't mean that they might not be the person God has for them in the future, but it certainly wouldn't be God's best in the present. Sometimes a person will approach me who has entered into a dating relationship with an unguarded heart. How can I tell? Well, the indicators could be any number of things. Typically, they base their choices on emotions, they try to justify or excuse evidence of ungodly behavior, or they compromise godly principles to please the other person. When faced with these types of discipleship opportunities, I try to lovingly use the truth of God's word in contrast to the evidence of specific actions and behavior. One of my favorite go-to scripture references for these situations is 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. A conversation using this passage and opposing evidence might sound like this You know how much I care for you, and I've been praying for you. I hear you say that your boyfriend loves you, but God says that genuine love is not self seeking or easily angered. You've told me time and time again how your boyfriend demands his own way, and the two of you are constantly arguing. He has even threatened to break up with you unless you let him have his way. Do you believe this relationship truly reflects the kind of loving relationship God wants for you to have? Of course, we can't make people desire or choose God's best for their lives, but we can lovingly point them to scripture, promote teachability, and pray for the Holy Spirit to do His work in their hearts and lives. In discipling others, keep in mind that the complexity within some relationships should be left to professionals. Please don't hesitate to encourage the individuals you are discipling to seek professional, godly counsel when needed. As we each follow God's will in building relationships of influence, lives will be changed for Christ, and in turn, He will get the glory. Are you recognizing the need to be intentional in each relationship? It is important to view relationships from Christ's perspective and to practice His principles in order to influence others for His Kingdom, while at the same time we are to trust God with the results.